0: about all the episodes of the Ruby on Rails podcast. This one is especially special for me because I'm joined with the team members that I work with every day at the Pittsburgh Cultural Trust. I'd like to welcome Patrick Fitzgerald, Director of E-Commerce, and Danielle Grease, front-end developer, to the show. While I have questions for both of you, feel free to chime in wherever you'd like. Welcome to the show. I'm going to start off with Patrick. Patrick, can you please introduce yourself and lead us to how you got to
1: where you are today? Sure, Uh, so my name is Patrick Fitzgerald. I'm the Director of E-Commerce Operations here at The Trust. Um, I started doing uh, web development projects almost 20 years ago. Uh, My first real tech job, I was hired to do QA at Intel uh, back around 2000. Um, So my first real experience was working for a pretty big operation. QA was a very interesting thing because you're not really writing applications, you're more testing them and poking around. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, From there, I went to work for a pretty big agency in New York, uh, RGA. I was there for about seven years. I spent my first couple years doing QA there and then I moved up and I was eventually a technical project manager. Uh, Working for an agency is a really great experience because you get to work with a wide variety of clients. I worked on some major e-commerce uh, projects, work for clients like Verizon, Nike, uh, Purina. Um, and not only do you work with a wide variety of clients, but you also work with a ri- wide variety of technologies. And you do everything from you know, troubleshooting, you learn the ins and outs of enterprise systems, um, everything from their analytics platforms to how their CDNs work, that sort of thing. Uh, I moved to Pittsburgh in 2009 and I was hired by the trust at that time. So I've been here for about almost nine years now. Um, awesome.
0: Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, so, so yeah. since you've been at the trust for nine years, can you please give the audience a brief history on the trust history with Ruby on Rails?
1: Sure. So uh, I was hired on to manage a major redesign of our, uh, of the trust. Web application uh, And a redesign is sort of an understatement. They were just junking the old one completely. We ha- looked at a bunch of different vendors to work on the project, and ultimately we went with a group called ThoughtWorks, and they were a great partner of ours. It was ultimately their suggestion that we use Ruby on Rails. And I didn't know much about the technology. When I was at the at an agency, I worked actually it was a lot of Flash, a lot of .NET, um, uh, some Java. Uh, so it was new to me, but uh, I think at the time it was it was uh, pretty popular, and I don't know, sometimes when a consultant suggests you use something, you use it, and here we are nine years later.
0: Awesome. Well, when you hear the phrase, and this is something that we hear at RailsConf, it's like a controversial phrase that we, we hear in the community, that Rails doesn't scale, how do
1: you relate to that? You hear that? I don't think it's accurate. We've done, we have scaled things quite a bit. Um, I mean, any... Web technology has its limitations in any web technology scales. Uh, we're a big AWS shop, um, particularly things like the ability to auto scale, uh, to have a pool of instances. Um, at this point, our bottlenecks aren't really our web application, it's our back end CRM program and the API we rely on. Um, so I don't think that's an issue. I think a lot of it is planning your planning your application correctly, make sure you're caching things where you can, um, you know, using your CDN correctly, uh, keeping as as many requests off the web servers as possible, that sort of thing. Absolutely, and you know, we deal with, you know,
0: large on-sales, so what kind of measures do we take in order to make sure that we're able to handle the maximum
1: amount of traffic as possible? Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, yeah, just maybe we should back up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the bulk of the of our, our the bulk of our our sales are we, the, most of what we do is ticketing and so anyone who buys tickets to an event or a concert anything like that typically goes to your website 10 minutes before something goes on sale so if a show is going on sale at 9 a.m on a friday uh you will see a huge surge in traffic um and you know we can handle a lot of that traffic but we can use third-party tools like queue it that will queue up you know, if we have 10,000 users coming to the site, we certainly don't want them hitting, hitting it all at once. We don't even have the volume of inventory to handle it. Um, so using queuing platforms, that sort of thing, uh, to queue the traffic up front, and then also making sure we're running background jobs uh, behind the scenes so as requests, in, as requests come in, we queue up as much as possible.
0: Awesome. Um, so are there any particular features that we've built in Rails that you are particularly proud
1: of? Um, we've built a lot of great stuff over the years. I mean, it's been, um, I, think I didn't on, pay him to say that by the way, <laughs> audience. <laughs> uh, I mean, we are, we're on our sort of third generation of our website. Um, and it does a lot. I mean, the, the ticketing is a complex, uh, it's a, it, it's a complex platform. Um, you know, your inventory is perishable. Uh, when an event's gone you can't discount the products and sell them you know like a supermarket markdown Um, uh, you know we have a select your own seat feature which is pretty cool it allows users to go in and see real-time inventory Um, we do complex packages so you know most patrons are used to buying tickets to one event uh, but when you think about things like season tickets in sports where you need to sell composite inventory, so you're selling the same seat to 10 or 20 different performances. Those are actually complex transactions. Um, And we have just about every flavor of those type of packages, uh, and that stuff is pretty unique. Um, Some of the more interesting things that we built are actually kind of boring things. I think two years ago, we built email gift certificate delivery, which I know sounds like kind of a given thing these days, but the Backend CRM platform we use has a lot of limitations in that area, and we were able to build something that's relatively slick.
0: Cool. So um, as I've mentioned on the show before, our team is quite small. It's it's really just me, Danielle, and Patrick. We have DBAs and ops to help support, but we do work on a very small team that has very assigned roles, like Patrick oversees product management, QA. I'm focused entirely on the back-end, and Danielle's
1: focused on the front-end. Patrick, why do you think this works well for us? Um, I think we have a pretty unique blend of talents and personalities. Um, And we also have a a, a pretty defined set of duties in terms of, uh, you know, Brittany works on the back end mostly, Danielle works on the front end. There's a lot of overlap there in terms of um, the application itself, but uh, um, I think we're also all very passionate about everything we do, and um, there's also an interesting blend of not necessarily pessimism, but we <laughs> 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 not quite sure what the je ne sais quoi part is. Um, uh, we're all pretty down to earth. Um, I, I also think I can't. I don't quite know what it is about working at a nonprofit. There's just a different. Um, you you're, you have a different level of uh, interest in what you're doing. Um, while I enjoyed working for an agency in the past. Uh, at the end of the day, you are moving things like mobile phones and sneakers and cat chow, and um, while that stuff is interesting, um, working for a nonprofit, you sort of have a there's a greater good out there, um, and I think that gives our team just a kind of a different spunk. Um, I think we're also we have some things we're all kind of passionate about. Uh, kind of a, perf- a performance geek. And I like to squeeze blood from a stone in terms of making sure that everything is configured correctly and uh, we get the fastest possible time when we can.
0: Um, yeah pretty much any time Ruby upgrades or rails upgrades we, we really try as a team to be on the bleeding edge because we want to get those performance boosts so we we appreciate all the work that's being done in open source in order to make sure that our site can run as fast as possible.
1: Absolutely yeah. Awesome. And well, Luckily you guys are on the ball about that uh I mean, you could probably talk some, about some of the neat tools and everything that make sure we're always on the bleeding edge
0: oh yeah so we use uh we use um a bot to make sure that our dependencies are up to date we use code climate we use a bunch of third-party tools that i've spoken about before just to make sure that we're always doing the right thing you know it's important to us that when new things come out that we as a nonprofit, even though we're small we want to be able to take advantage of those features and be able to contribute back all right, we're gonna move on to Danielle. So Danielle, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became my developer life partner, that would be great. <laughs> uh,
2: sure, um, I'm Danielle, I'm the front end developer at the Cultural Trust. Um, I have two puggles, Frankie and Johnny. I've been a developer for about five years now. I started doing online school and I was getting tired of being in the real estate industry. Um, I initially went for web design, so a lot of my JavaScript experience is self-taught on code school or code academy. Um, I spent about a year and a half as like a loan developer for an um, environmental consulting firm. When um, I got a phone call about the job at the trust and immediately jumped at the chance to interview here. Um, so, I've been here for about three years now. When I first started, we were completely um, tearing down and, and redoing our website, complete redesign and about two weeks after I started the original back-end developer that hired me decided that he was going to move on Uh, so that's when we brought Brittany onto the team about a month later
0: excellent well um, as you mentioned so the the trust is your first introduction to Ruby on Rails yeah so what were your initial reactions as you were getting into that code base now do note the code base was moving from Rails 2 to Rails 4 so it was very much in a transition state (laughs) So I'd love to hear what you were thinking.
2: Yeah. So actually, um, when I first started at the trust, they had me sit down and do a lot of code school. Um, R- Ruby on Rails Zombies, uh, I think was the yeah, was right. the course that I went through. Um, initially, it was um, it was kind of eye opening how much Ruby on Rails does the work for me. Um, how many methods are available that will just kind of do like splits and you know counting and things that weren't really available to me when I was using Visual Basic at my last position. Um, I also it was also my first introduction to an MVC framework. So um, it, was a, it was a really good introduction to that get my feet wet with Ruby on Rails. So, you know, it was a good experience for, for the most part.
0: One thing that I've really enjoyed watching you do is you came in not knowing Ruby, but because you have the ability to modify routes and controllers and helpers, like you have slowly gotten more and more ramped up onto Ruby and it's been really cool. I've tried to get you to cross over to the dark side, and just but then who would write my JavaScript? So that's just a dangerous pack, folks. Who would make your web pages pretty for you,
2: Brittany? It's true, I'm
0: not a good designer whatsoever. <laughs> um, so now that you are a seasoned vet, how do you feel about the direction Rails is taking with the front end?
2: Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I have my reservations, but I definitely enjoy the fact that um, Ruby on Rails is integrating more of these frameworks rather than me having to install them with third-party services up front and make them actually work with our existing app. Um, I know originally we had a lot of trouble with the asset pipeline and using Bower and Bower components, uh, but when they came out with the support for Yarn, it was incredibly easy to integrate into our app. Um, so now that Rails comes with a lot of that stuff out of the box, I have a lot less setup to do when I want to start my own app individually. So I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they're gonna be doing.
0: Very cool. Um, do you have any debugging tools or features of Rails that you love, um, anything that you hate?
2: <laughs> yeah, actually, um, well you introduced me to binding.pry? Um, um, so I absolutely love that. I don't, you know, I don't debug without it. Um, I we used better errors for a while, which I think used binding of caller. Um, it made it really easy for me to see what I was doing wrong, and the errors were a little bit more self-explanatory. But now that I'm used to seeing those errors, going back to Pry has, you know, it's made a world of difference.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. I enjoy seeing the errors and being able to bind in the console as opposed to doing it in the browser, but. That's coming from a back-end developer who would prefer to be in the console (laughs) and not in the browser. Right. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I wanted to get your opinion on something. How far do you think into the Ruby on Rails stack do you feel a front-end developer should be able to dig into?
2: Um, So... I feel like as a front-end developer, even though I don't actually write a lot of Ruby, I should be able to independently gather what information I'm getting from my models and methods and those controllers, and I should be able to write a small model method if I need to. I shouldn't have to depend on you specifically being a small team. You don't always have the time to just, you know, write a small method and send it back to me. So I should be able to independently do that on my own just something that I strive for. Plus, it gives you a better understanding of what your existing methods are doing when you can read that code and you can spit it back out on the console.
0: Yeah, one thing that you and I always try to do is that we'll try to write the methods ourselves, you know, <laughs> me trying to butcher JavaScript, you writing elegant Ruby, and, you know, sending it back and forth to each other and just seeing, you know, hey, this was my initial thought, like, is this how you would have approached it? And I, the more that we work together, the the closer I think we are to almost auto-completing each other's code. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. Can't agree
0: more. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you both so much for joining me on the show today, um, Patrick and Danielle. As always, if you have any feedback, please reach out to me on Twitter. It's uh, Britt J. Martin, so B-R-I-T-T-J Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N. And uh, folks out there, I hope you are all working with teams as awesome as mine. See you next week. Thank you.